Welcome to the Education Unscripted podcast, your favorite podcast channel for unpacking education issues in Nigeria and Africa. This podcast is brought to you by the National Innovation Collaborative for Education, NICE, a community of education innovators working to foster learning and collaboration. Welcome again to another interesting episode of Education Unscripted. Our listeners, we're excited to have you on this very interesting episode. If you've been following our series for this particular season of Education Unscripted, you would know that we have been talking about inclusive education. In previous episodes, we talked about Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about dyslexia. And we have a professional who is going to be speaking with us about dyslexia. We have Mrs. Olaide Odejerong. Olaide Odejerong is the director of Dyslexia Nigeria and she is a cognitive and career coach. She has expertise in strategic planning and implementation, cross-sector partnerships, program management and corporate communications across private and non-profit sectors. She has sector-specific knowledge and experience in education policy, management, and finance. She's passionate about impact investing and partnerships for development. Olaide Odedero is also an alumnus of Harvard University. You're welcome, Mrs. Olaide Odedero. Thank you for joining us on this very important episode of Education Unscripted. Thank you very much for inviting me to speak with you. Thank you. Um, so let's get started. How about you start with giving us a brief overview of Dyslexia and some of the amazing work that you do at Dyslexia Nigeria? So Dyslexia itself is a Greek word meaning difficulty with words. And it's a learning difficulty that is specific to literacy, words and language acquisition. It affects all of the skills required for reading, writing and spelling. But it can also be compounded by poor working memory, poor organization, and poor concentration. Okay. It's neurobiological in origin, which means it's inherited. And there's a gene that is inherited when a person is born that affects the structure of their brain and the way it processes information. It's independent of, of intelligence, so that means that you can be very intelligent or have average intelligence or even low intelligence and have dyslexia whichever way. And typically, it doesn't respond to conventional teaching methods. So most of the standard traditional ways of teaching in a classroom don't help with the processing of information as a person with dyslexia. Um, but if you identify it early and you have the right support, then the difficulties that it comes with usually can be overcome. I think dyslexia is way more common than most of us think it is. It affects about one in five individuals. So first here in Nigeria, there are about 40 million children and adults that have dyslexia or are on the dyslexic spectrum. And it's the most common learning difficulty in the world as well. So about 80 to 90% of all learning difficulties end up being dyslexia. I think just because of how prevalent it is and how much it impacts learning and work thereafter and life in general, dyslexia in Nigeria, um, we're very passionate about creating an environment where individuals with dyslexia can thrive. And we do that through educating people, through convening people to discuss issues around dyslexia, and through empowering others to support those with dyslexia or to learn how to cope with it themselves. So we offer a range of services end-to-end, from training to screening, diagnostic assessments, 
um, one-to-one tuition to provide tailored support, to provide coaching services, executive function coaching, cognitive coaching, lifestyle coaching, awareness building, and we also provide resources to support individuals with dyslexia. Okay, thank you so much, Mai. It's interesting to know that um, individuals are born with dyslexia because in the past, I would think that it is something that can be outgrown. I remember as a class teacher, I used to have this child that had a difficulty with um, learning. And in retrospect, I I now realize that, oh, what that child was experiencing was um, symptoms of dyslexia. And over time, I realized that this child became better in class. When I think about it in retrospect, I feel like, oh, maybe he outgrew that, you know, but from your from, from what you just said, it, it's clear that it's something that cannot be outgrown. So would you, that's would right. you want to that's right. say a little bit more on that? Yeah, that's exactly correct. And you cannot outgrow dyslexia because it's the way your brain is structured. It's the same way you cannot outgrow the shape of your nose or the color of your eyes. It's just something you cannot change. The child in your class quickly improved because he had done something to help with um, teaching in a certain way that he's going to process that information or teaching him some coping strategy. And so by implementing those, the difficulties he was facing were then overcome. He didn't outgrow the dyslexia, he just learned how to cope with it. So you were a great teacher. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so um, how can you tell if a child is dyslexic and are there there some chances of recovery from dyslexia seeing that you already stated that uh, it's something a child is born with right okay um so i think let me just touch on on the aspect of the child being born with dyslexia um mostly an individual with dyslexia is born with it but you have a few cases where you have what is called acquired dyslexia okay and that's where a person is born and doesn't have dyslexia but then they have maybe an accident or a traumatic injury to the brain that changes the structure of the part that processes literacy and then they have acquired dyslexia Um, But usually when we talk about dyslexia in this manner, we're talking about developmental dyslexia, the one that you're born with, because that's the most common one that you would come across. So, you know, how do you then tell if a child or an adult is dyslexic? I think mostly the signs start to show um, when a child starts school um, and you you begin to notice some signs, which I'll I'll tell you a few of them. Um, But then those signs can change over time depending on the child's environment and the activities that they're exposed to. The same way with any other person, your strengths and weaknesses show in different ways depending on what you're exposed to and what you're doing and what environment you're in. So some of those signs change. Um, in nursery school, for example, before a child learns to read fluently, you may observe difficulty learning nursery rhymes. They may enjoy being told stories too, but then they have no interest in letters and words. Yeah. And they can get their words modeled up, like they could say butterfly for butterfly. Um, they might have difficulty kicking a ball, throwing a ball, catching a ball, and they can mix up words that sound similar. Yeah. And when they move on to primary school, the signs become more obvious in, in the realms of reading, writing, spelling, numeracy in particular. So you can observe you know, poor standard of written work, mm-hmm. and they have persistent confusion by letters that look similar. So they confuse B's and D's, yeah. PG, PQ. Yeah. Um, they can spell phonetically, you know, in a way that's not age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. 
so they may spell flood as f-l-u-d instead of f-l-o-o-d and when they're reading they might make anagrams so their brain automatically might read tired as tried or the other way around and then when they're learning to read they have difficulty blending words together um, some of their difficulties spill over into behavioral issues as well. So they may easily get distracted or they may become very tired because of the amount of effort or concentration that they need to focus on reading. They may become disruptive or you know, they may become the class clown and they always want to go out and shop with my friends so I want to use the bathroom like 101 times. You know, they become very withdrawn sometimes. They're just really quiet and they don't contribute. Those behavioral um, issues are signs of difficulty most of the time. By the time they reach high school or you get into university, where the workload is a lot and it's, it's much heavier than it used to be, then difficulty with working memory may become more apparent or difficulty with comprehending what is being read. Um, and then you notice poor literacy standards by the time they become adults. You know, they're just not as literate, it's fluent, in their literacy as you would expect so the speed and accuracy of their literacy is not present and then you see other signs like you know poor time management skills they have low self-esteem usually because people have told them so many times over the years that they're not good enough they don't try hard enough they're very lazy they're dumb they're silly you know that affects their self-esteem over time um they still mix up you know letters and words and sometimes they have directional confusion as well left and right may be there yeah so these are all signs of dyslexia that could tell you that a child may be dyslexic but the truth is you cannot be certain unless you do a diagnostic assessment um to identify whether a person really does have dyslexia and what their cognitive profile is and you have to do that you know it has to be carried out by a trained and qualified professional in the field I think with regards to your question around the recovery, I know we've mentioned already that it's not something you can recover from because it's just the way your brain is structured. Yeah. But I think even this idea of recovering from dyslexia, it, it really it focuses on the negative, like it's a bad thing that you need to leave behind, yeah. you know. But I, I think that only happens because our society is so geared towards um, literacy, reading, writing, the traditional skills we're used to as academic work you know so we don't see people who are excelling and exceptional in other spheres of life and work um and dyslexics have great strengths that things that they are much better at than people who are not dyslexic um, which we might talk about hopefully later in our conversation but i mean it's like saying that you should recover from being an excellent artist like picasso was i think picasso was dyslexic or you should recover from being an excellent innovator, you know, like Steve Jobs was, yeah. or uh, you know, Einstein was, and they were both dyslexic as well. Yeah, so I think even the use of that word recovery sounds like it's a bad thing, and it's not a bad thing, it's not a disease, it's not an illness, mm. it's just the way your brain processes information. Mm. But you cannot recover from dyslexia. Okay, thank you so much. This is a really very important conversation because even in our workplaces, we have yeah. people who are dyslexic. It, it means it's something that is very common and very prevalent. Like you said earlier, yeah. one out of every five persons have dyslexia. So we really That's should right. consider um, strategies to get them involved and harness their great potentials to excel, both in our workplaces and in our That's schools. Right. Yes, yes, exactly.
Okay, so um, speaking of teaching methods and strategies, what are the best teaching methods and strategies that can be employed to teach children with dyslexia? Because in our classrooms, diagnosis should be done. I think we should even go back to that before we come to this conversation. How many of our schools actually do this diagnosis? Because um, it's very important. I mean, children that are registered every year, how do you know that? Yeah some of them are dyslexic yes, that's 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 that one i wish more people would ask that question and, and really think about it the truth is um there's so many schools that don't know that they have children who are dyslexic and it's a shame because given the ratio of people who are on the spectrum we have a minimum of three people in every classroom of 20 that is on the spectrum so it really is something that should become a part of our everyday teaching and learning what we advocate for is that as part of entry requirements, schools should undertake this cognitive screening and that, that should include a dyslexia screening. The same way we check for and screen for physical difficulties when kids enter school for the first time. We do eyesight checks, we do hearing checks, we do dental checks, all those physical things that might affect their, their learning. I think it's absolutely important that we also check just to see if they might be on the spectrum and how we can support them, what ways do they learn best and what reasonable adjustments can we provide. So we advocate for universal screening and that's where you know you, you, you screen all the kids in grade one when they come into primary school to see if they are showing signs of dyslexia. Okay, so what what I mean, dyslexia and dyslexia. Yeah, please go ahead. So sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so um, next month we are we're kicking off something we've been working on for a while, which is our dyslexia awards. Um, okay. And we are going to be giving schools something to be able to show parents, anyone who visits their premises, that they are dyslexia aware, which is either you know when we've been able to educate the teachers there and you know, teaching and non-teaching about what dyslexia is, you know that they're aware and that they're dyslexia smart which means maybe they're now screening for dyslexia so you know that they can identify signs of dyslexia and then they're dyslexia friendly which means that they're using techniques and methods resources that do support children who might be on the spectrum of dyslexia because it's something that is in mainstream education you know it's not something that goes into special schools so you know what i mean yeah that's um, very interesting. so it's absolutely important and it, you know we really advocate for universal screening that's interesting that's and, and also to to serve as a signal really um to show schools who are taking the time to be as inclusive as as they should be thank you very much so what, back to our question about teaching methods and strategies, are there um, some teaching methods and strategies that can be employed, I mean specific teaching methods Absolutely. or teaching strategies that can be employed for children with dyslexia? Absolutely. I think I'll start by saying that the process of being literate in itself, of learning to read, write, spell, to communicate effectively, to express oneself in language, there are necessities of life, especially life as we know it right now, and learning them can be challenging for anyone, but it's more so more challenging for individuals who have dyslexia. But the truth of the matter is that we all need strategies for our brains to process information we receive as part of our language acquisition. 
and all of us have a right to the best of our cognitive ability whether we're dyslexic or not so whatever we do that supports individuals with dyslexia will also benefit everyone else so you know we we, we go very strongly with, with the slogan that what's good for dyslexia is, is good for all um and we also you know i think most times when a parent or concerned teacher notices signs of dyslexia sometimes they panic or they put the child under pressure you have to try harder try harder do more you know um we always advise that before we talk about teaching methods just don't put too much pressure on yourself or your child it's something that we can improve on with the right strategies it's nothing to panic or worry about it's nothing to put pressure on the child about you know they just need a few things they need routine they need a good learning space they need time to do the things that they enjoy like all of us do you know so they need to, to know strategies to improve on learning reading yes but give them time to do art or PE or whatever else makes them happy, right? Um, and let's identify what are what are your strengths and how do we build on those strengths? You know, let's not just leave on and say, oh, you're bad at studying and reading, then that's the end of that. And I think, you know, that aside, the strategies that you can then put in place, they depend on how severe the dyslexia is and when it's been identified. So perhaps in the earlier years, say in grades one and two, where you should have done a screening, by the way, where children are still learning to read, there are many general strategies that are applicable that can be used to help them learn. But then once they're in grade three and above, when they're reading now to learn other subjects and their difficulties with dyslexia start to get more chronic, then you'll need more individualized and tailored strategies to help them cope. But in general, when you talk about the general strategies, we, we recommend three mainly. So we talk about multi-century techniques and giving small chunks of information and overlearning. And all of these are geared towards finding the way the brain prefers to learn and how it processes information. So with multi-sensory, we're encouraging that you use all the senses, you know, you, and you use visual, you know, for sight, auditory for hearing, kinesthetic for moving, tactile for touching, olfactory for smelling, with the idea that, you know, we, we remember only 20% of what we read, but 90% of what we see, hear, see, and do, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we advocate, multi-sensory teaching, overlearning, and giving small chunks of information at a time. So overlearning is learning, going over the same thing over and over again, repeatedly until, until we get it. And I guess when we're talking about what's good for dyslexia is good for all is, you know, multi-sensory techniques are especially good for individuals with dyslexia, but they work just as well for other kids as well who might not be dyslexic. Okay. All right, thank you for that. Um, so, how do you think our schools and our workplaces can be contextualized, you know, for for children and for adults with dyslexia? What considerations do you think would be helpful? Because even in our schools and in our workplaces, we have children, we have adults with dyslexia. How do we make it? So how do we make it um, easy for everybody to work in the same space, learn in the same space? Um, I think for me, the first thing is always to support identification. In schools, like we discussed, make universal screening a standard um, and do what you can to identify kids who are at risk of dyslexia. A screening would usually give you a short profile of, of the child that show if they're showing signs or not. If the signs are extensive and it seems like you know, general strategies in class may not be able to take care of this. We recommend that they go for a diagnostic assessment. Okay. A diagnostic assessment uses a battery of paper and computer-based tests 
um, to diagnose dyslexia, yes, but then to give you um, a cognitive profile of strengths and weaknesses. So then you know what specific recommendations and considerations would be helpful. So for example, if we can identify from a diagnostic assessment that an individual has, say, slow processing speed, then one consideration would be to give them or apply for exam access arrangements. And that gives some extra time in exams to you know make up for the fact that their brains take a little bit longer to process what they're reading as the questions and what they're trying to remember as the answers to those questions. But another example is um, if you see that a, a child has problems with, um, say, phonological awareness, decoding and, and encoding, reading and writing, then maybe you don't want to make a standard practice that they copy notes from the board. Um, you can let them take notes with you know, a recorder, tape recorder, a dictaphone or something. Um, those are simple considerations that you can make. And there's the same thing in the workplace. In the workplace, um, these considerations are actually called reasonable adjustments because they're just little things that you can do to make a huge difference. They're not big shifts in what, what you're doing as an organization. Um, so you essentially to identify, yes, but then to know how to support, you might then request a workplace needs assessment. And that one looks at the individual's environment, their job description, their job expectations, and what kind of support they might need to counteract their weaknesses or build on their strengths in that role. If you remember earlier when we spoke about the fact that um, you know, your strengths and weaknesses show up in different ways in different environments, we can appreciate then why you know, an individual who's dyslexic who takes on a job as a secretary might struggle with note-taking and they need support in terms of being able to use dictation on their laptops to talk to, to take minutes or um, you know, record with a dictaphone or use... Um, organizational softwares to help them organize their days and their, their calendars and whatnot. But it also means that if you have, you know, an individual, that same individual who is now just part of a broader team, it's helpful for the manager to know this person works better if you give them small chunks of information at a time. So don't yeah. just do a brain dump of tasks at once. Yeah. They don't overload, exactly. So those small reasonable adjustments are what become helpful over time. But I guess, you know, generally be aware and be able to recognize the signs of dyslexia and be supportive, be positive, and let's be inclusive in our outlook and our approach at whatever stage we are in our lives. Yeah, thank you so much. And I really think that if it is something we could look at, even our workplaces should have screenings for dyslexia because that way we can can ensure that the employees and staff of every organization are giving their best and we can better support them to give their best. Yeah, it's really important. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that that what you just said is called a pre-employment screening. Usually when you know when you're hiring someone, you hire someone, you also just want to do a screen to see what sort of what sort of support or reasonable adjustments might be. Okay, thank you so much, Ma. This is really interesting to know. Um, but are there specific technological support? Although you mentioned some of them, like the dictaphone, that the um, individuals with dyslexia require to help them learn and work effectively. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the way we we the same same thing as what we discussed earlier that um specific help would depend on what the you know the specific needs are. But there's some general examples I can provide. So technology for reading, you know, helping to read aloud text that's written down, the scanning pens that you can use, or the software like Natural Reader. Um, 
technology for writing, you have dictation function on devices or like Microsoft speech to text. Mm. Um, if you think about spelling and grammatical accuracy, I know you can install Grammarly for free on, on your devices. Um, to support planning, I know Google Chrome has an extension called Momentum that you can add and every time you open um, a new tab on your your browser it reminds you of your to-do list and what you want to achieve today and what percentage of time has gone in the day and it just really helps to keep you organized and then i know the one for organization we know quite a number of them already there's google calendar there's outlook there's ClickUp, um, and there's flow charts to organize your thoughts spider webs you can use for free online there's so many tools that we can use that are available um, but those are some of them that we can use in terms of technology with regards to non-software technology for example, to help um, children improve their writing, we have pencil grips that can help with the way they hold a pencil and to help with vision stress. Sometimes individuals, some individuals with dyslexia experience vision stress where either the words on the page look blurred or it looks like it's moving or jumping or some are in bold and some are not. And, you know, there's just um, stress in the way the brain is processing what the eyes are seeing. Um, yeah. There are things that can help, like you could use overlays on documents or on colored overlays. So certain okay. colors of overlays could help with the way the, the eye is processing light and the brain is interpreting that so you can then see what the page is, is, is representing quite clearly. So some of those are simple um, supports that you can use in terms of typical software technology and, and non-software technology that we can use. Well, there's so many out there. Okay, thank you for that. In our previous questions, we talked about the creativity of uh, people with dyslexia, and yeah. maybe we should talk a little more about their strength. You know, okay. we talked about how they have learning difficulty. Maybe we should highlight their strengths a little bit. Yeah. What are their strengths? Lovely. Thank you so much. Um, there's so many strengths that individuals with dyslexia have. One of them is that they're really good at using the right side of their brains. They're very creative and they're very creative in terms of problem solving and in terms of art types of work. They're good at complex problem solving. They're good at critical thinking, logical reasoning. Um, they're good at visualization, spatial awareness. Um, they're very good at um, oral expression, usually. Um, cognitive flexibility so usually they can manipulate things in their minds quite well um, you see people who hire individuals with dyslexia specifically for these strengths so for example there's some advertising agencies that hire purely individuals who are dyslexic um, or those in the line of communication and marketing we have those perhaps that may be in special intelligence and even NASA for example you know um, they hire people with dyslexia because they appreciate that the strengths that they come with are unique to them as well. Um, and they're strengths that we need to harness if we really do want to move to the work of the future where we've already started to materialize. When we think about user experience design and technology, they're really good at that. Um, they're good at troubleshooting. Um, they're very creative individuals and they're very good at coming up with new, novel, innovative ideas. Um, so there's a lot that, that they're great at that um, we need to harness as, as a society. That's interesting. I... Yeah. yeah, and you find a lot of the entrepreneurs, most of them are very successful entrepreneurs, 
in the world have been individuals of dyslexia. So you might know Richard Branson of Virgin Group or Steve Jobs of Apple, Winston Churchill, Robert Einstein, um, Ingvar Kamprath who started IKEA, those in the arts, Ruby Goldberg, Will Smith, Jennifer Aniston, Kira Knightley, all of these individuals are successful personalities and all successful especially because of their dyslexia not in spite of it um so you think about big picture thinking vision setting predicting the outcome of events um you really are thinking about individuals with dyslexia okay thank you so much um back to our schools and our um, teachers okay what kind of professional training do teachers need to provide adequate support to children with dyslexia because when we're talking about supporting them i i think teachers should be well, well equipped to do that and without some form of training they might not have the ability or they might not have the capacity to train children with dyslexia so are there professional trainings that they require Yes, please. Um, so I'm going to answer that in terms of the, the trainings that we offer at the Sex in Nigeria because we've tailored those after what is required. And we group the trainings into three or four main buckets. Um, the first one is how to recognize dyslexia. And, and under that, we offer a very um, short but educative course called Understanding Dyslexia. And that one helps you with knowing what is dyslexia, causes of dyslexia, and basically signs of dyslexia and some, some strategies to help the dyslexic child in the classroom. But we also have a group of trainings that fall under supporting individuals with dyslexia. And we teach about teaching children with um, specific learning difficulties in literacy, um, raising the achievement of pupils with dyslexia, and creating a dyslexia-friendly learning environment, and also informal assessments of reading and spelling. Um, and then the last big bucket is about excelling with dyslexia. And we have, you know, for those who are supporting a child with dyslexia, we have how to teach your dyslexic people to read and to write and spell and also to read and then how to teach using multi-sensory techniques and we also have one about teaching math um, but for young people especially those in in the later part of high school or in university we have practical strategies for revision and exam techniques and practical strategies for study skills so those are the range of, of training modules that we offer that are very helpful to individuals with dyslexia and to individuals who are supporting those with dyslexia. Thank you very much. That's really huge. Um, it's the Dyslexia Awareness Month. Yes, it's October. Dyslexia Awareness Month. Yeah. So, how are we supporting Dyslexia Awareness in Nigeria? I mean, are we doing enough? What What ways can we do better as schools, our parents, our society at large? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I guess in general, every day is a day to, to support individuals with dyslexia. Every day is a day to become more dyslexia aware and to become better educated as to how you can provide specific and helpful, positive and constructive support to individuals with dyslexia. But specifically this month, um, we are dyslexia Nigeria is in schools where we're um asking for support sponsorship we're working with partners organizations individuals to give awareness talk in schools in public schools in private schools in 
organizations as well when talking about dyslexia and what the signs of dyslexia are, what to do if you see somebody who's dyslexic or if you yourself are showing signs of dyslexia. Um, we're also conducting free screenings in schools, so we're getting sponsorships and, and support to, to help us do that, to go and conduct free screening to identify children who might be at risk of dyslexia in schools. You might hear hear us or see us on television, on radio, or you might read some of our articles in the newspapers because we're doing a huge push in terms of mass media awareness and we are part of the global Go Red for Dyslexia campaign where we are encouraging people to wear red in support of dyslexia and tag us on social media um, at Dyslexia Nigeria to show your support for dyslexia. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ms. Olaide, for this very wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it because really this is something we should talk about more. We should talk about this more in our workplaces, in our schools. We tend to judge people too quickly and oh, why is this person taking so long to deliver this very little task? Why is this why is taking this child so long to understand this very, very little detail, you know? And we forget that or we probably some of us don't even know that one out of every five of us is dyslexic but this is very conscious this conversation is something that would, would awaken our consciousness to the fact that this, this exists and in our daily lives in our workplaces in our schools we should do everything we do with at the back of our minds so thank you so much i really appreciate this opportunity to speak with you on this and i hope that as as many people here at this conversation it is helpful for one more individual who has dyslexia who's living with somebody or working with somebody or is friends with somebody or goes to school with somebody who has dyslexia thank you for, for this platform Come to this episode of Education Unscripted. Please follow us on Twitter at nice underscore innovate and on Instagram at nice Thank you so much and see you at the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Education Unscripted Podcast. Please send us your feedback by sending an email to nice at tepcenter.com or connecting with us on Twitter at nice underscore innovate. You could also leave us a voice message on our anchor channel. Till then, stay safe and keep learning. Bye.